Welcome back to Unless You Ask with me, Kevin Chung. Uh, with me today is our first international guest, ultimate Frisbee athlete, and the only person who's ever seen me try to grow a mustache in real life, Ari Ananda. Welcome to the show, Ari. Oh, hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me today. I'm real excited to be here. <laughs> Whoa. You've, you've changed, Ari. Uh, I didn't know that... Uh, that we so I know that the the podcast is really growing because we have our first international guest and this is like a sign that you've made it in my opinion so it's a big it's a big deal that you're here um, for the viewers or listeners uh, that have no idea where your accents from what what uh, where are you currently. Well, I'm down here in Sydney, Australia, and I guess that even though I'm from California, after living here for a few years, I've picked up the accent pretty well. And uh, driving around my ute with my dingoes, best friends with Steve <laughs> Irwin's kids, you know. The Irwins, how are they doing? Oh my gosh, Kevin, in real, real talk, it was my goal to become <laughs> friends with the Irwins, and it hasn't happened yet. And meanwhile, Bindi is just moving on without me. She got married, she had a kid, and we're not even besties yet, so I'm kind of failing. <laughs> And sadly, uh, I have not picked up any Australian accent because I know like three Australians on this continent, so it hasn't actually <laughs> rubbed off as much as I wish it would. Uh, I, I felt like when we first started talking, I detected like a subtle, actual Australian accent, not the one that you were just doing, but the... It's, it's like, because I was, I was practicing trying it for you, and then I was wondering if I should just try to trick you so that you thought it was like that, but then I was like, oh man, we're catching up, like I feel like this is a betrayal and a lie, so I couldn't bring myself to do it other than like a I couple of No, I still have such an American accent, it's kind of annoying. Uh, well, you, there's time. Um, yes. So yes, you're in Australia, um, and that relates heavily to the topic that you are here to talk about. So what, what, um, is your topic? Oh, I'm here to talk about life down under and why all of you Americans should run away and come join me here to live out our <laughs> pandemic lives. <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, this, this is an exciting topic. I, I think that it will probably make a lot of people jealous, including me. Um, <laughs> but I'm excited to dive into it. So yes, how, tell me about how you uh, first like moved to Australia. Like what, what brought you there? Um, so I came here just over three and a half years ago now. Uh, wow. Can't believe time has flown. Um, yeah. we came on working holiday visas because I really, really wanted to literally just become a female Steve Irwin. I wanted to work with wildlife here. I've always just dreamed about working with Australian animals. Um, and so we came on a working holiday visa with the goal of just living here for a year, seeing what it was like. Um, I spent that entire year making like zero money because wildlife stuff is basically all volunteer. So I did a bunch of volunteer projects. Um, my only job was working for clown doctors where I door to door annoyed people and uh, tried to fundraise for the charity clown doctors. Um, what can you what does the charity clown doctors do oh man i don't know if we have that in the u.s well well um the organization is based on the movie patch adams um yes so basically it's hiring um trained people who are uh, familiar in the drama sphere so either doing magic tricks acting singing and they basically go to hospitals where there are long-term patients um, but specifically child patients 
So just to try to cheer them up, um, get them to smile after they've had to stay, you know, weeks at a time. Um, usually they're pretty serious illnesses. So yeah, I unfortunately think it would be more, um, I would feel better to say that I was one of those clowns cheering people up, but no, I just went door to door asking for money for them. So <laughs> that, that was my wow. one job, my, uh, first year that we lived here. Otherwise it was all, uh, volunteering with bats mostly. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then, um, somehow we decided we really loved it here and my partner was able to snag a job that sponsored us so that we could stay. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're technically still in a temporary visa. It's like good for up to four years, but, um, yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see there's a potential to become permanent residents after that. And I think we're kind of keen about that. So we'll see. Wow. Amazing. Um, yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people in the U S in the last year have considered, uh, moving either somewhere else in the U S or abroad, if that's like an option for them, but they don't know how difficult or easy it is to do that. So it's cool to talk to someone who did it, not in the pandemic context, just cause you wanted to do it. And then, uh, you know, now, now you're there and it's like, that's, that seems, uh, like a lot of fun despite, you know, the, the volunteer work and the, the lack of income and stuff, it's probably still well worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was funny cause I thought that the only way you could live here at all as an American was to be on a working holiday visa, which you can only do until you're 31. And so I was like, time is ticking. I've got to get there soon. I didn't even realize that people could actually like, there's a lot of Americans here who work for American companies that just get stationed here or people that just decide they want to try to live here and get sponsored or become, um, go to grad school here and then you can get a visa to stay a bit longer. So there's actually quite a few different avenues. Um, but I will admit if I had come here completely on my own with only the goal of working in wildlife, I probably would have been kicked out by now because the wildlife um, arena does not have enough funding to uh, sponsor people. So we had to sell our souls for the, the big corporations to keep us here. Um, and what are you doing now? Um, so now I am putting my wildlife dreams on pause because a couple reasons. One, COVID happened, so a lot of stuff just kind of halted. Two, yeah. I tore my ACL a couple months ago, so I'm pretty crippled. <laughs> so oh, I would be able to, that. to do that anyways. Um, so right now I am working um, in customer service, um, but specifically for, um, it's called outdoor agencies, and we're basically a wholesale distributor for a lot of the international outdoor gear brands, so like Osprey, Nemo, Cool. Um, so we're the ones that give the rights so that um, Australian retailers buy from us so that they can sell those things here. So basically, I just get to be in a warehouse with a bunch of cool outdoor gear all the time so, and feel like I'm still living that outdoor life dream, even though I'm definitely working from home half the time. <laughs> and how's your ACL doing? Yeah, it's it's doing uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the physio like almost every day of the week. Um, mm. it's pretty intensive therapy. I'm pretty, I'm basically just trying not to have surgery, but I have a meeting sure. with the surgeon next week. They might force me to get surgery, but I really don't want it. Well, I hope that it feels better 
and the, <laughs> the listeners of Unless You Ask support you in your in your recovery journey. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, um, I mean, I guess it is a, a slightly good segue that it has been really interesting having a relatively serious injury in Australia because the yeah. healthcare system is so different. Um, right. Like Australians have free healthcare. I'm not Australian, so I don't get that. But um, we we still have like a international healthcare plan through the company that my partner works for, and it's pretty funny because even our international insurance, which has like a one star rating, it is like the lowest of the low, rated pretty poorly for private health, and it is still the best health insurance that I've ever had in my life. So. Wow. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's, I was, I was curious, you know, when you're there on a visa, like what parts of Australia's like infrastructure you uh, get access to. Um, and I guess even though you're on like private insurance, just it being in this space where they have to like compete with uh, like the publicly provided insurance, like they must have pretty high quality stuff, which is wild and, and horrifying. yeah i mean i've had some like not grand experiences as well but i think for the most part i think just the comprehensiveness of what the health insurance covers like i mean maybe this is a thing in the states now it's just always too poor to be able to afford it but they have something called extras cover which just covers a whole slew of other things so there's like a yearly fee that you can use for physiotherapy which also isn't very common in the states i feel like if Unless you're like in a college sport or something, having access to a physio all the time isn't isn't a thing. Um, but here, mm-hmm. that's like you get injured. The first line is you go to a physio and you start working on how to get better instead of just going to a doctor and then being like, "Here's some crutches." Um, mm. But then also the extras cover it covers things like massages and acupuncture and psychology mm. and all this other stuff that I feel like just is not a thing back home. Um, yeah. So that's been interesting to utilize. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, definitely. I I think having to find all those individual people in a in many health plans in the U.S. is a nightmare. So yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, yeah. Taking a step back from the all the um, kind of things around your uh, your Broken health. Leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, how, I guess when you first moved to Australia, what, what was sort of, what were some things that stood out to you about how life there was different or like that you were attracted to that made you want to stay longer? Great question. Um, when we first arrived, I would say the most shocking thing was how not different it was. Like, apart from when you're like at the opera house where it's very obvious, like this is Sydney or if you're like in the outback and there's kangaroos hopping around everywhere. But otherwise, yeah. if you're just in the city and you get plunked down on a random city block, if you like spun me in a circle, blindfolded me and told me I could be anywhere in the world and to try to guess where I was, like I would be like, eh, somewhere in California. Like it's pretty hard to see a difference um, at first. So for me, I guess that actually made the transition to living here quite easy because you know, it's the same native language, more or less. Um, it's, it just has a lot of similarities, especially to San Diego, because Sydney is a harbor city. So it's got a lot of beach towns. Um, I found myself, you know, having come from living in San Diego for seven years before coming here, 
I kind of compared every suburb to like, oh, this beach town is like the PB and oh, this area is like the Hillcrest <laughs> and, you know, just kind of found yeah. all those um, comparisons. But I think as I was here, as we started staying here a bit longer and kind of fitting into things, the things that kind of surprised me the most were, um, well, one, I made certain before I left the States to eat as much Mexican food and Asian food as possible because <laughs> I assumed that Australia was only going to be like meat pies and like kangaroo steak. And I was right about one thing, the Mexican food here. It's pretty sad. I feel like, you know, yes. if anyone, if anyone out there wants to come and uh, make it big, open up like a taco food truck here because they are severely lacking. <laughs> Um, but I was oh severely gosh. mistaken in thinking that there would be no Asian food here because I forget the proximity to Australia to Asia. Um, and the fact that a lot of Australia is comprised of immigrants from the Asiatic region and, oh man, our first street that we lived on. So after being in San Diego, um, and I have Indonesian background, so there was one place two and a half hours away in LA that served Indonesian food. And it was like a big deal. Whenever we went to LA, we had to stop there. Our first place that we lived in Sydney, which was like not in a fancy area or anything, but there were five Indonesian restaurants just on our street, which is like insane. That is shocking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, I've actually gotten to be exposed to like a lot more different types of cuisine than I thought I would have because there's a lot more specifics. Like there's a lot more Malaysian food on every street corner and different types of, um, there's also like a pretty big Mediterranean population here. So there's a lot of Greek and Lebanese food everywhere. Um, nice. Yeah. So I was not expecting that. I very much kind of generalized and thought that Australia wouldn't have any food culture. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can, uh, I can relate heavily to the, uh, the Mexican food. So, so I didn't, we, we, I usually talk about how, the guests and I know each other. Ari and I both went to school in San Diego together. Um, so I too have experienced San Diego, uh, Mexican food and, and Asian food and like out in the SoCal area and stuff. And when I moved to the East coast, uh, the Mexican food was like way, way worse. And, and I was there long enough that, and maybe this, I, I'm curious if this uh, is your experience, but we, I sought out a lot of Mexican food, in New York and you know, New York has some good Mexican food, but, uh, it also just like my taste and like the bar got lower and lower. And like, I, I went back home recently to California and like had some Mexican food there. And I was like, Oh man, like I, I was just kidding myself. Like this is still <laughs> way better. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if you've had any Mexican food that you're like, Oh, this is, this is, this isn't bad. Like, maybe Oh this is man, okay. Kevin, let me tell you about low bars, man. So, um, <laughs> There's this there's this fast food chain here called Guzman y Gomez, or yes. Guzzies as the Aussies call it, and um, <laughs> they have a California burrito there. Oh, which like of all things, it's not even Mexican, but it reminds me of home in San Diego. So I yeah, get that definitely. California burrito. You got to have some fries in your burrito, and it yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. So that is my low bar of feeling satisfied but um and the occasional like fish taco but for the yes. most part anything authentic like carne asada is not a thing here they call pollo mm -hmm. polo because no one has any 
exposure to <laughs> that <laughs> culture. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it'll, it'll do the job when I'm like really wanting it, but I just like dream of borders opening just so yeah. I can eat Mexican food back home. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, cool. So I guess, uh, the longer you stay, you've, you've tried some Indonesian food. Once you get, start to meet people and, uh, like get to be there a little longer, what, uh, what are some things that you like notice are different? I guess the, the big impact in the, at first is like, oh, the, things are actually not that different, but as you're there longer, do you start to notice more, um, more just differences between the U S yeah, and I would say for the most part, they're all, like, positive differences that are, like, bonus points for Australia. But then occasionally yeah. I'll have those moments where I'm like, wow, I really wish this was done more like it's done in the States. Um, Interesting. But I think the other kind of surprising thing is I I fully was expecting to come here and make a lot of Australian friends and actually, you know, pick up an accent a bit. It was kind of a dream of mine. I always kind of wanted to have a bit <laughs> of a crocodile Dundee twang. Um, mm-hmm. And instead, um, I was surprised, I mean, I guess pleasantly surprised, but it's similar to the States in that it's quite a cultural melting pot here. And um, turns out that most of my friends are not Australian. They're from Mexico and Colombia and India and all over the place. Um, And I do still have my, you know, handful of Australian friends. I'm just not around them enough to be exposed to their accents to like pick it up, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. Um, because I actually have quite a few friends here who are not Australian who have picked up Australian accents from like their first year living here where they lived in a house of all Aussies. Um, mm-hmm. but that hasn't happened for me yet. Um, but I think the, the other thing that surprised me is, is the way that Sydney operates, at least in my eyes felt a lot like being back in university. Like, I guess I kind of hit this stagnant zone in San Diego where I had met everyone I knew from university and as they started to move away and find jobs in other parts of the states I just kind of felt my community dwindling and it was pretty hard to meet new people like you pretty much only meet people through work and so coming here I think because there's so many people from all over the world who are kind of in that same boat of like I want to meet people and it's not just people that are you know student aged there's you know, a lot of people in their 30s that are here as well. And so it just kind of brings this um, community of wanting to meet people. And that's just like a really strong thing here. So I find found it quite easy to just kind of pop into things like, you know, maybe seeing people playing beach volleyball and just saying like, hey, guys, can I join? And then you find that the people are from all over the place. And it's yeah. just, um, it made it a lot easier to kind of build a community here because it kind of felt like, you know, orientation week at university yeah, where, you know, cool everybody's yeah. just willing to meet and be really friendly. And so that really helped a lot. Um, and otherwise for me, it was, um, I felt like I was still kind of slow at picking up the build my community here game. And so, um, after being on a particularly long volunteer trip, I came back and, you know, I was asking my partner, like, hey, we should go on a date night. We should do something. And he was like, oh, not tonight. Sorry, I've I've got soccer practice. Oh, not tomorrow night. I'm doing this other thing that I joined. Oh, I have D&D this night. And I was like, wow. <laughs> In the two months I was gone, he joined, like, all these clubs, all these extracurricular things. And I was like, ooh, yeah. I need to make some friends. Um, <laughs> so 
I uh, I started Bumble dating, like friend dating, Bumble BFF. Um, Interesting. That, yeah, I haven't that... used Bumble in ever actually, but <laughs> <laughs> is that a is that like a setting? It is. It like is a thing. It is a unspoken. separate app, Bumble BFF, oh, where wow. like girls can meet girls, and um, it was it was actually pretty fun. Um, I still have a couple friends that like I met through that that we stayed friends, but for the most part, mm-hmm. it was like a good starting point to try to like get myself out there um but ultimately my my community all came together when I decided that you know what are the other things that I used to do back when I was a student you know what I'm gonna look into rejoining ultimate frisbee and um (laughs) I hadn't played for six years I like completely did not keep up with it after graduating but I joined some pickup leagues here understandable yeah (laughs) but I uh I joined it turned out like I, I just looked it up on Facebook and there were like 15 groups in the immediate Sydney area for ultimate mm. frisbee pickups and leagues. And um, I joined one of them and met literally my entire community now is like everyone I've met through frisbee. So um, that That's was awesome. also kind of like a big, it's also just kind of like a more intense version of how I described Sydney being like multicultural, everyone friendly, trying to get to know each other, I guess, because Frisbee is so niche. Everybody's like extra welcoming, like, oh, you play? <laughs> like, even if you suck, please join us. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that has been my community experience here. Um, cool. But then, then otherwise, I think the biggest thing in Australia that was like quite shocking in a great way compared to California, at least, I think in New York, you'll probably relate to this a bit more. But wow, public transit is great. And I mean, Australians think it's terrible, but compared to like coming from California, (laughs) where there's just nothing. Yeah, especially San Diego, LA, it's like atrocious. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, unless you have a car. (laughs) So um, that that was uh, actually pretty life changing for me was like feeling like an independent human that didn't need to beg rides everywhere. It's like, I can just take the train or bus and everything so connected. Um, and yeah, so that was massive for me, which I'm sure you actually having access to that in New York is like pretty sweet too. Yes, I can absolutely relate. Cause I, I don't drive and, and New York is a place that you don't have to drive. Like I'm not, I'm in the majority instead of the minority and uh, it doesn't, it makes you feel more independent. It like makes things easier if you're trying to do something, especially when it's like 24 seven. So um Yes, absolutely. That that's a huge game changer, especially if you're in like a new city. Because um, if you're in a new place, you don't have a car, and you need that. Like in Texas, or I don't know, somewhere else, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a kind of a bust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, so why don't we? We've been going for a little while, so why don't we take a little break, and then um, we can check back in and continue talking about Australia. All right, we are back from the break. We got a whole headphone switch in, switch out. A lot of behind the scenes <laughs> looks at what goes on at Unless You Ask. 
um, but we're all juiced up and ready to go. I mean, this is a podcast of the um, highest caliber. We do not record in closets and use dead headphones, obviously. We're not playing around. Yeah, this is a studio quality <laughs> podcast, and uh, I won't have anything less. <laughs> yeah. No, everything is on voice memos. Um, <laughs> so, um, yes. So we talked a little bit about what makes Australia different than the U S a lot of positive things that are like similar, but slightly better. Um, and I guess, how do you feel like your, uh, your lifestyle has changed, uh, compared to the U S like, do you, do you do things you, you play ultimate Frisbee, which you did in the U S but is there stuff that you have access to or that you do that you wouldn't have been able to do in the U S? Um, well, I think really in general, a lot of that just, goes back to the fact that I have the ability to get places um, and that everything's so connected. Mm. So I think another reason why living here has kind of just felt like being back at uni is when we lived at UCSD, it was like you could see the same people every single day. Like if you finished your work, it doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Wednesday, you can be like, it's 10 p.m. Like want to get together for some games or some Mario Kart or something. And that had really been yeah. missing from my life. It's like once everyone becomes an adult, it's like you have to schedule people three weekends out in advance. Like if it's during the week, it's like there's not yeah. really time. Um, and coming here, I feel like the community we built um, between our love for Ultimate Frisbee, a lot of the uh, crew is really into board games. Um, and then another half of the crew is really into the outdoors. So between all those things, it kind of meant and like having the city so interconnected is even though we may not live walking distance with each other. We're all like a pretty quick, like 15 minute top bus ride away from each other. Um, and so mm-hmm. it made it so that like when we finished work, we could all meet up for dinner. We could, we, we had a pretty regular board game night going for like a solid year until the pandemic hit where every Friday we would have board game night. Um, and I feel like that just really, I don't know. I really just kind of elevated my, social game because I was getting I was pretty much hermit status by the time we moved from San Diego like we were living in Escondido those last six months like we were real out of the way from everyone um, so oh man yeah. shout out to our listeners in Escondido yeah. you're really holding it down out there it's like a 45 minute drive into come. the city and I took the bus once and it took me like all day so yeah I can imagine um, yeah, that sounds like an absolute delight. That's like the dream. Uh, I feel like once you start working after college, especially if you have like a stressful, busy job, uh, and depending on the area that you're in, like you're really cutting out a lot of time for that, uh, you know, kind of like just having regular plans with people that are not, like you said, scheduled out in advance that are like casual, that are just like at each other's houses. That's, that's sort of the spirit of the West coast that I, that I, uh, you know, loved. And, you know, I, I feel like I was lucky enough to live with like friends after college and like extend that period a little while. But at this point in, in my life, at least it, it feels like it's like, and maybe this is the pandemic talking, <laughs> but it feels like it's like waning, yeah. you know, compared, especially compared to like what it was like in college. But it's cool that, uh, for you in Australia, like it's felt a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think part of that also so is, get, is the uh, work-life there. balance here. That is another massive difference I mean obviously I'm a bit skewed because my work-life balance for my first like two years was just life and no work um (laughs) (laughs) but 
I think in in general, it, this is also one of the first times in my life that I've been one of the youngest in my friend group. Like I've always been kind of one of the older ones. And so mm-hmm. there are a lot of people here in their 30s that give me a lot of hope because I just kind of assumed once I hit that mark, sorry to anyone who's already over 30 and thinks I'm an idiot for saying this, but I was like, you know, once you get there, life just goes downhill from there. Like you're just a working person. You don't have a life anymore. <laughs> and, um, and you're, and also you're supposed to like the pressure, Dang. you're supposed to have it all figured out by then as well. And then like, I turned 30 this right. year, which is kind of terrifying to think about. And I still do not have life figured out at all, but it's given me a lot of hope because I have a lot of friends who are, you know, also in their mid thirties who, you know, may have some things figured out, but not at all are still like totally willing to be a kid and like, you know, have board game night and do fun yeah. things. So I think that kind of gave me a bit of a, a bit of hope, but also, yeah, the work-life balance here. So mm-hmm. we're all pretty familiar with the, uh, two week holiday is kind of like the standard in the U S that's not even like federally official. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of like a norm, but it's not even like legally throughout the U S um, I think we're like the only country that doesn't have a legal requirement for <laughs> having like time off for from work. Vacation days. Um, yeah. But here it's uh, usually minimum four weeks is the norm. And um, if you're in government, it's seven. Uh, so it's I think that mm. in general and in like all stores, like if you are working in retail, all stores close by like 6 p.m. So you like cannot go shopping if you were hoping to go shopping um, after work on a weekday. (laughs) And so to me, that just kind of shows like they really value that work-life balance because they want people to like get out and do things at the end of their day. So that's been kind of interesting to uh, navigate. Um, Cool. So uh, the next things that I wanted to ask you about are kind of related to how you've experienced things that are going on in the U.S. Obviously, the last three years has been a lot of crazy stuff in the U S. So when you're not, when you, when you're in another country, I'm curious how the news cycle there kind of, uh, focuses or doesn't on what's going on in the U S how you've experienced like being in a different place while all these big news stories, the election, like pandemic, all that kind of stuff is going on. Okay. Um, well, first off, I'll just say me personally, I I get pretty emotionally affected by news. So I'm pretty ignorant in the news sphere myself. Um, whereas like Jared is listening to like the daily news every day. He's very up to date on current events. Me, it's like a week later, I might find something out. But in terms of how Australians receive the news, um, I think that in a lot of areas, specifically politics, um, Oftentimes, people here are more clued in than I feel like I ever was when I lived back home. So, like, Trump's first impeachment trial. (laughs) Did not know. Somebody came up to me and was like, wow, like, can you believe it? Trump's been impeached. And I was like, what? (laughs) I have not heard this news yet. (laughs) So, so in that sense, I think that people are pretty clued in. News from the U.S. does get here. Um, The news that does not come here is the mass shooting news because it's well honestly it would just be too much i mean i still subscribe to us news and i you know just in the last two weeks have already had a lot of blips about stuff like that um and i remember i mentioned it to one of my friends here 
and they were immediately like, oh yeah, they don't even bother broadcasting that stuff anymore because it's just assumed that that happens every day in the States. Um, yeah. So <laughs> that's that was kind of a, a sad reality. But I think overall, um, a lot of people just kind of think that the States is a bit of a, a, a shit show, to put it uh, politely. Yes. Um, yeah, like, everything following the election, I mean, to hear, everybody just kind of thought it was a big joke. And, um, yeah. you know, everyone was like, oh, for sure, there's no way that the election would turn out how it did four years ago, and everything will be totally normal. Like, you guys realized your mistake, nothing could happen. And I was like, you'd be surprised. It's like, it's just that the people who tend to travel and leave the states tend to be more open, progressive-minded most of the time, and most of, like the big nationalists are, you know, back home protecting that. And so it's um just interesting. So like, no, no, all the Americans I've met here, they say that they, you know, they don't approve of the government. And I was like, yeah, but I also know a lot of people back home who are pretty stoked about how things are right now. <laughs> so that has been right. very interesting. Um, and yeah, I get made fun of a lot as an American. If I'm around a bunch of Australians, there's a lot of, you know, stereotypes about Americans. And um, yeah, I it's interesting because I've never been a very uh, patriotic person. So <laughs> being here has just been like, it's caused me to really look at um, the states through a different lens. And like Australia has plenty of its own problems. Like their government is by no means perfect. Um but it is definitely like, especially experiencing the election and stuff. It is just kind of sad to see our country viewed by so many people as just kind of a, a joke, um, which is a bit sad. Um, but otherwise, in terms, yeah, like in terms of the pandemic, like everyone just looks at the states and is like, we're glad we're not there right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah, I I've heard things similar to that and i it, it definitely is sad but it's the reality um and they probably they're totally justified in feeling that way uh yeah um so i guess uh as we move towards the last segment what are do you, if someone else hears this and wants to move to australia because there's a lot of good things about uh australia it's not that big of an adjustment uh in some ways what uh what advice do you have to someone who's thinking about doing that? Ooh. Well. Oh man, that's a hard one because everybody experiences things so differently here. I feel like I might have like the way totally sorted out and then everyone else is like, "No, that would be a terrible idea." So <laughs> <laughs> um honestly, my advice would be that you can't really judge anything until you've gotten here and that there are pretty easy ways to navigate most issues, which is probably the same, you know, for anyone that was trying to move abroad anywhere in general. But I mean, there are just a lot of good resources and I guess more it's for more people that are traveling here. It's harder for me to recommend for people that live here, but I think I've, I, before the pandemic, of course, we had quite a few people from back home pass through Australia to visit, um, and I think a lot of people just don't understand the time that it requires to really see the country. Um, it's kind of like people that go to the U.S. and think that they're going to do 
Miami, New York, LA, and Vegas in one week and feel like they've seen all of the states kind of thing. And Wow, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, size-wise, Australia is, like, if you were to overlay the states and Australia excluding Alaska, obviously, like, they're basically the same size. So it's pretty big, um, and there's just a lot of land in the middle. So I think that the reason I think that living here is something that's really cool, even for people who just want to do a working holiday visa and just live here for a year, it's kind of one of the only ways to really be able to see so many parts of it. Like there's so much more than just, you know, the big cities. Um, and also it's the only way to kind of experience the nuances. Like, as I said, it's easy living here because they speak the same language, but at the same time, they really don't. It's pretty funny if you actually go out into the country where there are predominantly Australians, I can't understand a word of what people are saying. Like the, we actually, um, bought before coming here a, you know how they have those little Lonely Planet phrase, travel phrase books? They have one yeah. for Australian English, um, with all the Australian <laughs> slang. And um, we read through it thinking like, oh, this is totally just made as a joke. Like, Lonely Planet just did this for the fun of it. And no, we got here and I'm like, people say these things. Like, it's not very common in the cities, but like, people say these things. And I've already, I've already picked up on a few of them as well. Um, like, I think the, the, in terms of language, like, I use Arvo now, which is Aussie slang for afternoon. Um, oh, yeah. You use that, you, you messaged me Arvo and I didn't know what you were talking about, but in context, oh, did I, I, I try to, I really try to tone it down if I'm talking to people that might not know what it means. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It, it made sense at the time. <laughs> Um, I was like, this is probably a fun event that Ari's involved in, in Arvo. <laughs> in Arvo, a big event, anytime afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Arvo, and I oh, use keen a lot. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I know that word exists in American English, but it's not something you use all the time, and here it's like, oh, I'm so keen for that. Um, yeah. Things that I... Do you use, do you use chuffed? No, no, I don't use is that. Is that an Australian thing? Maybe I just made that up. I no, no, no. Chuffed is definitely a thing, but I think it's more British, and and oh, Australia maybe. is. I mean, they they are originally a British colony, so they have a lot right. of um, similarities there. But I think some of the the funnier ones in terms of lingo that I have not been able to get on board with, um, hectic. Oh man, the Australians' use of the word hectic like to me hectic is chaotic it is like if there is you know an explosion happening and people running around and then you let loose a group of llamas like that is hectic and here it's like you're like oh i got this really cool shirt today and had a good beer and they're like oh yeah mate that's hectic and i'm like what i don't i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Uh, there are uh, that's that's a good that's a good one i think I feel like hectic is used in in the US a bit too, but not it means something different like you were describing. Like and I I also don't I feel like I don't know anyone who really uses it like too genuinely at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's used a lot here and it's often used, you know, if something's really cool, but then also sometimes if something's really bad. So it's it's a bit confusing. You really got to sort out the context. <laughs> Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Also, um, yeah, nah yeah. is a big thing here. 
<laughs> to say to agree with something. No, no, no. Yeah, nah is to say no. But if I were to oh. say, yeah, nah, yeah, that's saying yes. Got it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's a big thing. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, so before we move into our, our final segment, do you, where, where is next for Ariananda? Do you think that you'll stay in Australia more permanently? Do you feel like you have your eyes set on moving somewhere else once uh, travel is more open? Oh, another tough question, Kevin. Um, <laughs> no pressure. That's only hard for me because I have like this weird split personality where one half of me is like a total homebody. Wherever I go, I get severely attached to. I mean, it happened as a kid. We'd stay in a hotel for a weekend and I'd be like, Mom, this is our home now. We live here, right? I love it here. And then I'd be heartbroken when we went back home. Um, So, you know, we were only here for a week and I was like, I definitely want to stay. Um, But at the same time, I have this other half of me that's, you know, terribly impulsive and is like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to pack up and go to Bolivia tomorrow. So (laughs) it's hard to say, but in terms of like, in terms of quality of life and the community we've built here, I would love to stay. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think like the safety thing to me is probably one of the biggest things that I just have never experienced. I've never been a city person. I grew up in the country and Mm -hmm. when we moved here, I was like, we're definitely not going to live in Sydney. I want to be away from the big cities. I don't like big cities. And, um, and sure enough, we ended up here and I loved it um, and still do love it because it has that big city feel. But at the same time, it's going to use this word a lot less hectic than <laughs> the cities in the States in that like I can take a bus by myself at midnight and get home and not feel worried at all and that's kind of not a thing. Like if I need to take a shortcut through an alley, like I wouldn't really think twice. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, back home, that's especially as, as a woman, um, walking alone at night is just something I've always had to be heavily guarded up to, to the point where I'm like, I'm such a wuss. I'm actually terrified of the dark. And so it actually stopped me from doing a lot of things that I would do at night. And of course, like it's pretty ingrained in me. I'm always going to be a bit on edge, but it is pretty, yeah. it's pretty interesting here to be able to just walk around and be like, oh, that's not really a thing I need to worry about here for the most part. Um, so I think that is kind of a big draw from wanting to stay here because the idea of like being able to raise a family and, you know, have my 10 year old take the bus all by themselves to get to school is a pretty cool thing to imagine. Um yeah, at the same time, yeah. there are there are things that I miss about home and also think that it'd be cool to, like, live in a hut in Africa for a decade. So, you know, who knows where I'll be? <laughs> who knows? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's those are all very compelling reasons to want to stay. And, uh, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens. And but, especially during the uh, pandemic. I mean, at least for right, right now, being able to live life mostly normally has has definitely been a big draw for here. So yeah, you timed it pretty well, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, man, that <laughs> was serendipitous. Yeah, I mean, they just yeah. opened clubs last week. Can you believe it? Like, we can go to the club and dance without masks now, which is yeah, even for wild. here, that's pretty big. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Um, 
yeah, we'll see how long it takes for for me to get back to the club. I I would guess like three years. <laughs> uh, um, awesome. So this brings me to uh, my final segment. The segment is called "Plain or Abstain." So the flight from New York to Australia is twenty two hours long, which is ridiculous. It's like you're you're like in a sell for that long basically because you can't do anything um so what i have prepared is a list of things that you might do to pass the time or just stay sane on this really long flight and i want to know your opinion about whether this is something that you would do on the flight or would you not uh, abstain not do it on the flight so uh does that make sense yep yeah that makes perfect sense also man it sucks for you 22 hours from new york it's actually just a breezy 13 from california which (laughs) feels like nothing after (laughs) yes um yeah i think they go like different directions too i don't know anyway um yeah maybe 13 is let me know if that changes your answer for any of these (laughs) okay number one so you're feeling a little antsy and you decide you want to do karate class in your chair. Plain or abstain? Uh, I'm going to politely abstain because I always fly economy and I somehow always end up in like the middle seat and I would definitely karate chop a stranger in the face. So I will politely abstain for their sake. Yes, people might consider you a little bit threatening if you got too good at the karate. Um, 22-hour flight. For me, this is an abstain also. Uh, If you need to do exercise, uh, there's another way. Um, Okay. The screen in front of you is broken, so the only movie you can watch is Snakes on a Plane. Plane or abstain? Uh, Plane. Plane, for sure. Um, I actually hate scary movies, but also... I think that when I'm on an airplane, that is the one time where, like, all normal movie restrictions go out the window. I, like, explicitly search things that I would never watch outside of a plane and watch them. And unfortunately, this usually ends up in me surprisedly being in tears and, like, crying onto a stranger's shoulder because I always watch something that makes me cry. Oh, man. If you watch the anime Your Name, that is a heartbreaking movie. Watch it on a plane. Your Name is heartbreaking watch marley and me on a plane who does that so yeah snakes on a Um, plane sure why not bring it on i i can absolutely relate to that i think the plane format makes scary movies a lot less scary actually even though this specific one is about uh danger on a plane but the fact that you're just like in this completely sterile like tiny screen bad audio environment makes the scary movies a lot less scary so i agree plane is a good place to watch something you normally wouldn't yeah. Also, real quick on that, um, I actually don't really know the full premise of Snakes on a Plane, other than like I know there's snakes and it's on a plane. Um, but like, I think I'd be a lot more you nervous do. watching it if I knew the plane That's... crashes because of it. But like just the aspect of snakes, I'm like, man, I live in Australia right now. We got 17 of the most venomous snakes in the world right here. So like, alright, it's kind of the same. Yes, you. Uh... I guarantee you that you do know the full premise. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) More or less. Um, Awesome. Number three, uh, your seat neighbor asks if they can set up their (laughs) computer monitor uh, on their, like, screen or their, whatever, their tray table. 
uh, and it's going to be too big for just their tray table. And what they want to do is play flight simulator. Plain or abstain? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with plain, actually. Um, you know, Surprising. not necessarily for Shocking. want, but like I'm like... I don't always consider myself a super polite person, but I'm, like, unfortunately too polite on planes and, like, engage in conversation when I'm not feeling like it because the person next to me wants to chat. So I would probably give them my tray table. I've also never played fight, Flight Simulator myself, so uh, maybe I'd ask if I could play. Um, yes. And then get severely paranoid when we crash it and then imagine the whole <laughs> plane crashing. Sure. Exactly. I don't know what Psycho is playing Flight Simulator on the flight, but maybe it feels more realistic, and that's why they want to do it. But that's very nice. That's generous of you. I'm an absolute abstain on this one. Get that thing out of my zone. Maybe I can just get them to play the Goat Simulator instead. <laughs> yes, that's a good. That's a good point. Um. Okay. Next one. The person next to you mentions that they don't believe in global warming. Plain or abstain? And what? To be clear, what you're abstaining from here is like talking to them about this topic oh man so i just said i don't always consider myself a polite person and try to be polite on planes but i feel like i don't think i could abstain i think i would have to engage <laughs> and then probably just have a really uncomfortable long flight afterwards <laughs> i would like probably be like i have to politely disagree and then try yeah. to use like real life examples and you know, obviously a plane is not the place to change their mind, but hey, I've got 22 hours, so <laughs> bring it on. Very brave of you. I think that, you know, in in my heart of hearts, I want to say I would plane this one and actually try to bring it up, but not for the full 22 hours. No way. I would give myself some kind of out like, oh, OK, like different strokes for different folks. Like you wait on, until the, the, the airline says like, all right, we are now beginning our descent. And you turn to your guy and you're like, hey, by the way, you know, when you said you don't believe in global warming, you are wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the seatbelt sign is on. I'm not bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> OK, this brings us to our last one. Eating an egg salad sandwich, plain or abstain. You have no other food. They, they like canceled drink service. I mean, hot take here and potentially controversial. I love egg salad sandwiches. Like, <laughs> I'm not a sandwich uh, person, but man, egg salad sandwich, I just love. I look forward to high tea for the cucumber sandwiches and the egg salad sandwiches. So <laughs> this is a full plane for me, and I will probably beg the stewardess for a second one. It's a full send on like the stinkiest possible sandwich. <laughs> I know. So I'm out. also weird. I just love airplane food in general. I think I've only ever complained about one airplane meal. It's just like the compartments and you got everything all separated and I get to feel like a child and it's real fun. Yeah. So I usually don't complain lunchable. about everything. Yeah, exactly. Adult Lunchables. That is what airplane food is. Fantastic. Um, well, that was Planer Abstain. Amazing job. Um, I've learned a lot and we have some guidance for any future Aussie travelers. Yeah, I mean, um, if you if you ever are actually on this flight, Kevin, um, I will say, so far everyone who has come here, at least from California, has said the flight is not as bad as they think, and um, that is because of two things. You uh, you have enough time to watch, like, three movies and sleep, and then you wake up and you're there, um, because the yes. time changes just completely mess up your brain. So, <laughs> yes. I uh, only made that mistake on the way here. I did not sleep. I watched movies the whole time, and I arrived here at 9 a.m., 
and promptly we checked into our, our hostel and I just slept the first day. So I really missed out. So now I just recommend everyone like just force yourself to sleep, watch a movie or two and then sleep and then get ready to just like hit the ground running when you arrive. That makes a lot of sense. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I, I've never, uh, taken a flight as long. Well, I, I flew to China. I don't remember what happened that I blacked that out. It was awful. I think that's a long flight too. That is, especially yes. if you went from New York, that's a long flight. Yes. I, I think it was from California. But anyway, I digress. Um, Ari, thank you for sharing everything before we go. Um, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners about or promote? No pressure though. I promote, I promote bats, all bats guys, <laughs> COVID giving them a rep, bad, bad rap. Um, true. It's a, they're great. It's our own fault that we've brought their diseases into our worlds, but we should really give them some more love, especially since Earth Day just happened. Bats are great. Mm-hmm. Um, they have like six foot wingspans here, so it's pretty cool seeing the giant bats. So I shamelessly plug bats. I will also <laughs> plug um, the Hilltop Hoods. That's the first thing that came to my mind. They're an Australian hip hop group. Um, I'm normally not a hip hop person, but they're quite enjoyable. Um, so definitely check out the Hilltop Hoods. Australian bands need some more uh, recognition. Um, amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll plug Hamilton because I just saw that two nights ago and it was amazing. <laughs> Hamilton doesn't need any more plugs because everyone should know it's amazing. But no, these plugs are amazing. <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> plugging Hamilton. Um, and I'm going to plug egg salad sandwiches. Um, people are really not giving them the respect they deserve, um, and they're great. Um, but I'll also plug a brekkie sandwich. Uh, that's a thing that's not as common in, in the States, but a, a bacon and egg breakfast sandwich, staple here. Plug it, try it, do it great. Sounds amazing, yes. Ari, thank you very much. Uh, we have so much important plugs to work with and an anti-plug for uh, Gomez and whoever. <laughs> Guzmini Gomez. <laughs> Guzmini Gomez. Sorry, Guzies. Uh, you'll never hold a candle to uh, like <laughs> Tacos El Gordo. But anyway, oh, man. Um... Don't do that to me, Kevin. Oh, I want it Sorry. so bad. <laughs> uh, well, it was great to talk to you. Thank you, Ari. And uh, yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And hopefully as soon as everything opens, I will see you on that 22-hour flight so you can come visit. so much for listening to another episode of unless you ask and thank you to my guest ari for checking in all the way from australia unless you ask is produced by bread people productions you can check out everything that bread people are working on over at breadpeopleproductions.com if you're interested in being a guest on unless you ask or if you have any feedback please email me at unless at gmail.com that's unless yapod at gmail.com All right, you made it to the very end of the episode, and this week, my nobody asked, is that my fastest mile time is 5 minutes and 38 seconds, set when I was a freshman in high school. 